Okay, listeners, so uh, this week we have my most professional guest yet, with degrees on degrees, I'm sure. <laughs> I guess I hope. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Jonathan Baker, doctor or no? You're a PA. Not a doctor, I'm a PA. Okay. Uh, so we're a master's level degree. Uh, so I have a bachelor's and a master's. I guess it's not degrees on degrees on degrees. Uh-huh. Um, but we practice medicine, we prescribe, we perform procedures. Um, I, this week I happen to be independently at the practice with no, no sort of direct supervision of a physician. Uh-huh. Um, and it's an expanding field. It's, it's sort of getting to, to see patients without um, all of the, the crap doctors go through. Right. My, I remember my primary care doctor when I was a kid, I guess my pediatrician, told me when I thought that I wanted to be a doctor like every like smart kid who wants to please their parents um he said that I should really be a PA not a doctor smart man right (laughs) cause you're actually the one I'm a patient of yours so you see most of the patients it's really if there's a problem or like there's a like elevated situation that then it goes to one of the doctors yeah I sort of get to be like the the happy easy visits and then you know when something's gone wrong (laughs) then we bring the surgeon into the room right Um, yeah did you always want to be a PA or a doctor or work in the medical field so I I have this really distinct memory as a kid of this like I don't know probably like a first grade project where you drew a t-shirt and on that t-shirt, you put like your favorite color on the right sleeve and on the left sleeve was like your pet. And somewhere in the middle of it was like what you want to do when you grow up. And I remember writing, sur- like be a surgeon and drawing a stethoscope that I'm sure like nothing like a stethoscope. It uh-huh. probably <laughs> was a very poor drawing. Um, and uh, and when I, when I went to... Um, started looking at that I realized I, I don't really want to go to school for 12 more years and I'm really like a, I'm very much a team player I'm so happy to work on a team I don't I don't care to be the leader I'm happy to be the leader when I need to be the leader um, but I'm also happy to step back and be part of the team and that's that's what PAs get to do and when I got to finally practicing medicine on my rotations and got to surgery my first day I was like I hate this. <laughs> the surgery part. Yeah. Because you're like doing general, general med. Like, what was your? It was. You were in medical school, right? Uh, it's PA school. PA school. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but we go the this rotation in particular was us and uh, there's two PA students and probably about four medical students at, at different junctures in their education. Mm-hmm. Um, and we very much got treated the same, um, which we're in the same point in our education, so it made sense. Um, and I stood in the, the operating room for 12 hours. It was, it was gastrointestinal surgery, and it was one of the most just... Uh, the person lies on their front. The person... For those surgeries? Is facing up. Facing up? So they can but gastrointestinal... Oh, I guess intestine is in the front. Yeah. Okay. I'm just thinking, like, the gastroenterologist, it's all coming... Like, when you go to the gastroenterologist, it's... I guess it is about... Yeah, they're Mouth, yeah they're right. Sides. Okay. GI tract goes on for a while. Right. I guess that's the whole. <laughs> I guess that's the whole point is that it's both. It, right. Ideally, it's both sides. <laughs> both both sides need to work. Right. Um, and so this is like a notoriously long surgery. 
uh, called a Whipple that's for pancreatic cancer. Uh-huh. And it's sort of like the landmark of, of people's impressions of like a really long surgery. And, uh, it, and I just knew that. Because it's like 12 hours? 12 hours. Can you imagine? Like, same surgeon? Same surgeon. They might step out and have like a resident doing a little piece of it or, uh-huh. or a big piece of it, depending on how experienced they are. But, I mean, typically these surgeons don't have lunch. They don't often have a coffee break. Um, and they're, ju- they're just, they're beasts. They're like, they're great at what they do. They're totally used to it. And it was not something I wanted to be used to. Wow. <laughs> or be like a normal part of my life. And they have to be mindful for, obviously, right. for that period of time. Do they make bank? Um, they, I think they, they do pretty well. And then do they have a lot of vacation time? Um, you know, the, I think the crazy thing about medicine is people get so dedicated to it that they often tend to sort of like minimize their vacation time. Themselves, even if it's given or... Right. Because there's sort of a culture of like, sick people aren't going to stop being sick and right, you have to help them. And your patient who you saw three months ago is coming back for their follow-up and you want to be the person there for them right. Right. and not, you know, not be on vacation. But, you know, they also have the luxury of traveling um, you know, they don't, they're not, they're not in poverty for the most part. Right, right. But so, they have, they have huge debts too. Right. I, th- this is during your schooling before you decide what you're going to specialize in. Yep. Right. So you decide what you're going to specialize in later. Yep. Cause this is the gag of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, is that you chose, there was a juncture so you've chose to study, we're in the office right now, and there's a, uh, a <laughs> it's not a statute, what is that called? A, a model of the anal canal? Yep. A model anal rectum. A model anal rectum. Rectumology, <laughs> essentially, is what you... The pra- proctology might be the term, but I've never heard proctology as okay. like an actual medical term. It tends okay. to just be like the punchline of a joke. Got it. Um, the surgeons are uh, colorectal surgery and general surgery. I sort of identify as an infectious disease because okay. a lot of what I'm treating is infectious disease. Right. It just happens to affect that part of the body. Right. Because the reason I the reason our paths have crossed is that my primary care doctor here in New York told me as a gay man I need to have a pap smear or I should have a pap smear just like women have pap smears for HPV because men can get HPV as well stop me when I'm (laughs) (laughs) you're right on because men can get HPV just like women can get HPV essentially and you're most at risk if you're receiving penis if you're the receptor of penis or if you touch anybody who has it's one of those things where like you can just it's the graze of a skin and then you have HPV absolutely okay so all covered with it we're all covered with it. We're okay, great. So we should be living in fear. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Live don't ever in touch fear. anyone. That's good. Yeah. Don't light a candle. Don't take a shower. <laughs> don't touch anyone. Just. Um, so that is the reason that I came to this office and you did the pap smear and made sure I was all set. And that's the kind of stuff that you do here. It is. You are gay. Yep. How many... Do you have like all gay patients? Do you have women patients? We do. Okay. We have um, a predominantly gay male population, probably seventy five percent. Seventy five percent. 
Um, and in medicine, we use the term men, men who have sex with men. Um, right. Right. And, and I, I, I actually always hesitate when I even say the word gay because I'm like, I don't say that word normally. Yeah. Um, but here I say gay because they're, they're self-identified gay men. You know, we're in one of the gayest na- neighborhoods probably in the world. Chelsea. Right. <laughs> so, so they really are gay men. We probably have a fraction of, of men who have sex with men who don't identify as gay men. You um, do have them, though. We do have a few. I guess you can, well, you don't talk to them about that, what they identify as, really. Right. But they just say, yes, I do. Right. And then they shut down, and you're like, okay. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, and women, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's fine, what, whatever. They have women, and they're like, they're some of my favorite patients. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they, they, you know, women access health at a very young age, right? They start getting pap smears. The guidelines used to have them start, like, in their late teens or early 20s. It's really? a little more liberal now, but they're... More liberal, like, sooner? Later. Later, okay, yeah. okay. And so they're like very used to accessing care and they're like very used to sort of accessing care and talking about their genitals and talking about their sex life and right. talking about STIs. Because um, they're at risk for that stuff big time. Absolutely. They're the ones that are going to get pregnant. They're the ones that are going to get something weird inside them that's going to be weird. Absolutely. <laughs> Boys, it's all just like everything's already out there and everything just goes out. <laughs> and that's the way their sex life works. Everything is just out and that's the way it is and they're fine. Yep. Shocker. And they and they don't like to deal with it when there's a problem. Right. Or ask for directions. Or right. It's the same part <laughs> of the brain that's like foreign. <laughs> but women are better at it. And then the are the women here, I guess I don't know how much you're able to say about them. But are they women who have sex with men who have sex with men? So they're like feel like they're at risk for things, or they're just like conscientious women who want to be on top of it or who don't want to because when the pap smears happen here, it's in the rectum. Yep. So this is a rectal office. This is a very rectal office. Okay. <laughs> so it's for women. I guess, yeah, because women have anal sex, and so they just want to yep. make sure the same way. Okay, got it. Yeah. So they're the fun girls. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not all of them have had anal sex, although 30% of all women have had anal sex. 30%? Um, yep. And that's like domestic and international data. I thought there'd be more. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're a New I Yorker. Guess, <laughs> I, know, I know, right? I'm like, I can't think of one girlfriend that has. Um, well, no, I can think of several girlfriends now. Thirty percent. Do you feel like that's high, low, or correct from your life? So, sort of correct. I, I yeah. Sort of sense that number would probably increase over time. Right. Um, or maybe. Is that ninety-eight percent in New York City? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. And, and uh, women come here for a billion different reasons. Um, all anal related, though. All anal related. Well, what are the million different reasons besides <laughs> I'm having anal sex? They may, you know, some have like hemorrhoid problems, and so they. Okay. For some, I don't, I don't know how patients end up at this office other than some other, you know, someone else to deal with their hemorrhoids. But this is just the place they end up. Okay. Um, or they might have really bad HPV disease in the cervix or vagina, and their gynecologist sends them here. Um, okay, to check that other thing too. Yep. Okay. Right, because we they have the want front as much they, to do with the vagina as they want to do with the rectum. <laughs> Got it. Got it. And how often, to get the PSA part of this, the takeaway, no, pretty much every podcast episode has a takeaway of um, don't trust anybody and um, be afraid. 
<laughs> but, <laughs> which is sort of my, like, what I want to make sure is out there in the world. But the takeaways, hard takeaways from that you would like to offer are get a pap smear every, if you're a gay man or you're a woman who has anal sex, unprotected, or even protected, you should get an anal pap smear if you can every year, right? It's a hard call. Um, I'd say gay men probably should get a pap smear about once a year. Um, women, it's harder to tell, but you know, ideally they should still be screened. Um, uh, women who have had a lot of HPV disease definitely need screened. Um, just if they're having anal sex in, in research doesn't really pan out to like being a huge risk factor for having anal HPV disease as counterintuitive as that sounds. Uh-huh. For women? For women. Because uh-huh. the, you know, the vagina, you probably don't know this. Maybe <laughs> you do. I don't know. The vagina and the anus are not very far from each other. I do know that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how much you know about no, vaginal I do know anatomy, that. but I didn't know much until... <laughs> Were you gold? Are you gold star? I am gold star. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So the first time you saw a vagina in real life must have been in your practice. It was. Or in school. And I was horrified. Wow. Yeah. Horrified, but not horrified by butts. By R- right. Anus is <laughs> like, here's next. 24. Yeah, I've seen that before. <laughs> this is the question I really wanted to ask you was when you're, you're very good at your job. You made, you made me feel very comfortable and like fine. But you sit down with a stranger, like the first visit, you sit down with a stranger, you talk for like maybe a good two minutes, more like a bad one. And then it's like, okay, drop your pants and like put like your hands on this thing. And then the thing goes up and then it's like asshole in your face. Yep. So you go from eyeballs to asshole in like one minute (laughs) with this stranger. I like to imagine it's it's a longer conversation than that. I mean, but if they don't have any medical history, I was like, no. Oh wait, no, I can't talk about my medical history. But like, if they don't have anything in their medical history, then it's just like, okay, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. You're not like yep, yep. But I'm like, the process is pretty abbreviated in terms of the amount of time it takes other people to go from seeing my eyes to seeing my asshole. It's a lot longer time. Well, as a gay man, you might be unique in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna. Say, a lot in that more than one minute. <laughs> so, my question is, how do you do that? Or how do you deal with that? Is that, because, isn't that a bit of a mindfuck at first? Sorry, doesn't that play, is, you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no. Um, you know, I'm so used to it now. I've been doing this for 10 years. Wait, 10 years? So, how old are you? Just 32. 32. You've been doing it since you were 22? Yeah. Were you PA at 22? Or like, oh my gosh, ambitious. Yeah. yeah. Where'd you I go to undergrad? I went for it. Wow. Um, so I went, to, I went to a little Catholic college um, in Pittsburgh called Duquesne uh-huh. that had a wonderful PA program. Uh-huh. Um, to prep you for. <laughs> to prep me to look at gay men's anuses. Yeah, right. Yeah, nothing like Catholic schools. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, I'd like to think that they're proud of the good work I do, though. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I'm sure you're the cover of the alumni magazine <laughs> with your with the model, <laughs> right? In a rectal model, in a rectal model, we'll alumni in medicine, covered in rainbows and right. <laughs> um, and then where'd you go to PA school? So both of them there. Oh, and it was a a cool program where I basically started PA school my senior year of college. 
Oh, wow. And so what's already a truncated program, you know, by not being full medical school, turns into five years from graduating high school to being a licensed medical provider, seeing my first patient. At 22. At 22. <laughs> so you're, you were making bank then. I, yeah. I, so I you're out of debt now. I, actually, I will be out of debt in one week. Oh my <laughs> God. It's, it's unbelievable to me. It's like that you will be rid of it. Lifted, yes. Oh my gosh! Yeah. In one week. In one week. That is amazing. Yeah. That's gonna feel like the best shit of your life. Oh, I can't. I, I don't even know what to do with it. I just want to like take my student loan payment that I would be making the next month and like blow it. Go to Europe or yes. have a big party or yep. Bottle service or something. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. You know, you have a Roth IRA, right? No. Well, wait, no, maybe you don't qualify. You have to make under $122,000 a year. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> but if you make under $122,000, I don't know. I have no idea how much you make. It's more than uh, less than that. But even if you can only have a, a traditional IRA, you need to have a, an IRA that you contribute. Yes. $6,000 to. I was really good at it for, for the first five years of my career and then moved to New York, which was like a total just... I, I mean wallet I, yeah uh-huh. and and just it, it was it was very much out of the blue as well so I didn't save up I didn't prepare for it I just yeah I mean I think I dropped except about being a PA $15,000 to move here like just how'd you spend that much my, I broke my lease and that was like three months rent and then first month's rent here and a broker's fee and this that and the other thing like it, it, I was I don't even have... You have trauma. <laughs> yes. There's trauma there. Okay. I I contact to anus. Okay. <laughs> Back to the key point. Here. Yes. Um, so it's, it's like, it's so casual to me now. I sort of like forget that it's... Odd. Odd. And I, I have to remind myself of that regularly. And especially with a new patient. Because um, it's not normal. It's like really, really not normal at all. Um, but for me, it's like, it's such a casual part of our anatomy. This is what I'm used to seeing and talking about and doing all day. So it doesn't, like, it doesn't even shock me at all. Um, and so that, that actually the hard part of it is reminding myself that this is really shocking for the person who's experiencing it Uh and how can I make them feel as comfortable as possible? Yes. That said, you know, I, I can't see a patient for two hours Right. And so it's like, it sort of has to be this strategic, you know, making them as comfortable as possible, but I got to, I got to move through the exam. Right. And get to, get to what we came for. Cause the other thing is you're very sensitive to when, if you were going to be like, if you made a sound or if like the person, the person that's helping in the room, like says it, it's like you're very with the person, if you're the person with the pants down, it's very like. Am I doing this right? Or like, what's the right? What's the deal here? And like, how do you know someone's not gonna pop through that door at any second? Yes, right. Right. There's like, it's an exam room. Anyone could could pop in. Right. Um, or and you can't you can't see what we're doing. Right. There's two people standing yes. behind you, and right. you're facing the opposite direction. But you're good at at the like, <clears throat> I'm doing this now, and now I'm doing this, and now this is this, and that's all 
obviously learned and very like yeah. routine now for you. And it, I think it's so important that every like every single touch is anticipated and right. you know what it's going to be. Um, and even with that, you don't know an, an anal pap's a Q-tip in the anus. No one knows what that feels like. Like right. You, you know, and even as gay men, like we might experiment with putting things in our anus, but a Q-tip's still not one of them. Yeah, <laughs> right? right. That's not like a thing people are interested in. Yeah. But you do more. You do a scope. You do a scope. That's with everybody, right? Yep. Okay. So it's not just the Q-tip and that's it. You have a scope that's like a mini hot dog looking thing that goes in and then you can see through mirrors and magnifying stuff like the walls of what's in there. You can see it all. And if there's a spot here or whatever and then you like deal with spots if there are spots and all that. Yep. And so I've had a pap as well as I should as a health conscious conscientious gay man. Yep. Um, and the scope to me is so not weird because it's it's similar to like a, a finger or you know anything else that size and shape. Right. Um, but the Q-tip to me is so weird. It's just it's such an unfamiliar sensation. Yeah. <clears throat> not great. No. No, it doesn't feel good. And the scope <laughs> is not good either. I mean, none of it is good. Cause right. It's, and nor should it be. Do, do people? And I'll, maybe we'll cut this part out. <laughs> Do people get aroused sometimes? It's rare that anyone expresses that. Um, well, verbally, obviously, but like, you see if somebody is responding. Sometimes. It's, it, it's a really hard thing to tell. I, the, most people do not get aroused. It's very obvious. Um, yeah. And I've got very good at telling someone's body language by by what I'm seeing. Right. Um, it's not a sexy environment in any way. No. And, and it shouldn't be. Right. And it's like very strategic that it's not. Yeah, right. Um, well, mission accomplished with that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's not, there's nothing sexy about it. You know, no. It's, there's nothing enjoyable. Um, and, and as gay men, whenever I, whenever I have straight men, they're, they're often like, oh, if I were a gay man, this would be fun. And sometimes, like, women say, like, oh, I don't have anal sex, so this is... And it's like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, no, that's not <laughs> it. That's not the one. It, it's still not going to be enjoyable. And it's the same with women at the gynecologist, you know. Right. That's... Uh, that may be even worse. I don't have experience. Yeah. But being the patient, it do, I can see being the provider, it, it's a routine. But for the patient, it is a mindfuck when you have to, like, live your life as a human person. And then suddenly you having a rectal exam for like 30 seconds or whatever it is yep. and you have to just be like this is fine even though I just met Jonathan <laughs> two minutes ago and now he's examining the walls of my rectum with a scope <laughs> yeah. so it, but you're like oh, it's Tuesday at 3.30 you know? <laughs> right <laughs> and we're going to do this at, at 3.45 as well <laughs> right exactly with a new person oh interesting have you had I'm I and I think a lot of people whether it's going to visit this office, having anal sex, are worried about an accident. Yep. Because the only time we're used to sensation in our anus is when we're pooping, and then if anything else happens, down there, we think, uh-oh, this is like I'm pooping. Have you seen an accident? I have not, actually. In 10 years? In 10 years. How many I... people have you? do you think you've seen their rectums? The inside. It's such a great question that I really need to sit down and like calculate out someday. 
but I'd say on a magnitude of five or ten thousand. Oh my god. Is that crazy? No. Five or ten thousand. Right? Like maybe around a thousand a year. It's like three ish a day with sixty five days vacation. Or three so and a half. So maybe a day. even more than that, right? I see you know, I see maybe At eight, least ten patients a day. Five, five days, days a, a week, week for ten years. <laughs> Oh my god. A lot of them are, are repeats. Okay. Right? Especially right. when I've been right. somewhere for a while. And yeah, hence the five to ten. Annually, but oh my gosh. But yeah, a lot of a lot of anus. And no one's ever like pooped on you. So someone pooped on me, but that was my own fault, sort of. <laughs> we had <laughs> I, I obviously have to explain this. I feel, I, feel, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like a therapist. Interesting how you think that. Do you think it was your fault, Jonathan? So I had a patient who had hemorrhoid surgery, Mm -hmm. which is an absolute misery. Maybe we don't have to talk about this. No. Well, no. They had hemorrhoid surgery. I'm gonna go through it. Okay. (laughs) And 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 they weren't healing. They were totally constipated, and you just can't heal from hemorrhoid surgery until you're until you're having bowel movements. Yeah. And so we had to get it out of them. Uh huh. And so we did a series of enemas. And, and I, I bring this story up because I, I drag my poor medical assistant in who has no idea what's about to happen and tell him, I need you to hold this patient down for me while I give the patient a series of enemas. And, and uh, the room was like, like a comedy movie, like just, like just come to life, just all over the place. Um, and my medical assistant was, <laughs> was like my was time. less traumatized than I thought he would be. <laughs> oh my gosh! What position is the person in? Or like, are they sitting? We don't have <laughs> laying on their side. On their okay, on their side. Yeah. And he had to hold them down. I had to hold them down because it's it's painful, right? It's a, a surgical site, and. Uh, and people move like don't do that and and we want them to not move while we're you know digging around in a surgical site and do you have like an industrial enema that's different from the the fleet drugstore enemas don't you have the fleet drugstore enema like here we go yeah wow store brand just as good right uh yeah yeah though i don't recommend store brand for cleaning up before sex right enemas are used if you're constipated yep and that's when you use them yep if you are getting ready to have anal sex, now here's here's another good takeaway point. Anal sex tips, or like preparation myths, I really should say, because I think people over-prepare for anal sex sometimes. I would agree with that. They're too, because they're nervous about the pooping on Actually, I think that people wrongly prepare for anal sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to a lot of people on the topic, and, um, my my biggest thing, actually, this is like always my take home point with anything that I talk about is fiber supplement. Yes. So that, you have me on Metamucil. Good. <laughs> I have me on Metamucil too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's the single best way to to prepare for anal sex, and it the the rectum actually naturally clears itself out, but only if you have adequate fiber. Um, and a penis has to be really pretty long to get past the point where, where there's naturally fecal matter. Say that again for the people. 
I need to I need to make sure that okay, yes. <laughs> Say that one more time. The a penis has a to be penis has to be really quite long to hit the point where it it has naturally occurring fecal matter. The rectum's designed to be clean. Um, it's just not for most people because we don't have enough fiber and hydration and we have a number of other things interfering with our bowel movements. But I also don't, I don't recommend enemas, but I also don't, if someone's using them, I don't stop them. Um, I sort of discuss the safety and then talk about how to safely do it, which is to use the fleet's bottle. Like get rid of the liquid in it because the liquid is made for when you're constipated, not made for cleaning out for sex and just using tap water. Right. And if you're doing that more than a couple of times, you need to work from the fiber end of things. Ideally, if you're doing more than a couple of times in one preparation session. Right. Right. Ideally, you have enough fiber that things sort of clean themselves out. But, you know, there's always exceptions to that. And especially if people are on medications or, you know, have... Uh, any type of medical issue that interferes with it. Or have a funky diet. Or a funky diet. I mean, a lot of people have funky diets, like with all the meat that we eat and all the bread and cheese and like, I mean, not bread and cheese, but like meat, I feel like meat and cheese and dairy and like chips. Yep. Like none of that helps. Which is like basically my diet. So. Right, which is like New York City. Di- yeah, try living in New York right, City not having. Slice. Right, exactly. Dollar Slice is like not an adequate source of fiber. Right. And so that's what makes the lining of the anus, like, not great, basically. Like, that's when, like, remnant, it's, like, not solid. You get remnants that's sort of left in there. And that's why, if it's dirty, that's why it's dirty, is that it's, like, the fecal matter is not a good loaf. Exactly. Because God intended us to, it, it, for the anus to be a self-cleaning, like, just loaf, ghost wipe, go. Yep, it it absolutely is meant to be that, but doesn't doesn't quite work that way day to day. Right, but if people are going to prep for anal sex, and because they're concerned about that, don't use the enema if you don't if you're not constipated. Use the bottle or the a bulb like a reusable thing. Yep, they sell that a lot of stores, sex stores, (laughs) internet. You and just use tap water. Yep. Warm? Probably body temperature. It probably doesn't matter a whole lot, honestly. Yeah. You know, you think about what's in the rectum otherwise, and, like, it's stuff your body's trying to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're not going to do a whole lot with the, something that's not the right temperature. Mm-hmm. And then people don't... Um, I think people would be surprised at how clean the rectum actually is. Don't you agree? I do. I remember before my days of anal sex, it's like I came out when I, a little late. I was like 20, 20 turning 21. And then, and I hadn't, even at that, when I came out, I hadn't had much anal sex at all. But then once I started having anal sex, I, re, I was very nervous at the beginning that the sensation and everything, it made it feel like I was going to poop at any moment or that like something was going to happen. I was gonna, like, poop Speaking all over of a mind day. fuck, like the first time your anus is is not an exit, <laughs> right? That's difficult. Like you don't know how to manage that sensation. It's been twenty years. It's been a one way street, and all yes. of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's not right. And then if when it feels good, 
it's another level. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's when you become... People wonder why people, gay people suddenly get really flamboyant and become drag queens and are really, really happy. <laughs> it's because they've unlocked a door that, <laughs> that they never knew was there. And, that, and you'll never understand it because you're never going to open that door for yourself. <laughs> Even though you should. Don't you think all... Well, I don't know. Do you think all straight men should have experience anal pleasure I think they're missing out if they don't I think so too but it's also a little funny predicament for the women in their lives to like it's a it's flipping the dynamic in an interest a way that I would presume is interesting but I think people are not open to yeah I mean I, I I've actually learned like looked for data on uh, men who have sex with women and how they uh, might engage in 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 anal pleasure that was very eloquent <laughs> um, and I can't find anything um, there's absolutely no data on it there's I found almost no information on the matter it definitely happens I think it's probably the exception um, but you have a lot of there's a lot happening there and there's a lot more than the prostate that you're missing out on if you're not using Uranus as a sexual organ. What more is in, like, it feels good on the outside? So there's... I feel like it could, feels good on the outside and there's the prostate. I feel like those are the thing. And the... There's a, a nerve branch of the penis that is right, like, at the, the front end of the anal opening as well. So it actually sort of uh, stimulates your penis... Right. ...when you're having anal sex, even if you're not actually touching your penis... Right, right, right. And then the nerves at the opening, and then the prostate is just the cherry on top of it all. <laughs> right, right. And that's available to every man. It is. And in women, the, there's also a nerve branch of the clitoris that runs around the anus. And oh. so it actually stimulates the clitoris as well. Because the clitoris and the head of the penis come from the same family. They do. Of feels good land. <laughs> which sounds like a great place to visit right it's like it's like Candyland except it's it's in little glitters and penises everywhere so that's available to so that's why it feels good for women too yeah I feel like people have this misconception that that women can't it's a big enjoy sex because they don't have a prostate right um, and they from my experience they identify as a different enjoyable sensation right um but, you know, it hits a, a part of the clitoris you're not going to hit otherwise. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay, this is my last <clears throat> sort of topic. Is that for you and dating, when, if you're, I know you have a partner, before your partner, if you would meet guys, how would, like when you're 22, 23, you're into club and then you like wake up next to the guy or, or you go on a nice coffee date <laughs> is what I meant to say. And, and he's, and he is an executive assistant at, at, uh, a magazine, which makes sense. He's gay. He's 23. Oh, and you say, Oh yeah, I'm a PA. He's like, Oh wow. Interesting. And you're like, yeah, I, I deal with, uh, rectums and I see 75% gay men and, what is the conversation like when you tell suitors, potential suitors, that this is what you do? Oh, I have to really think back on that. Um, 
it's been such a long time that I've been on a date with someone <laughs> other than my partner. Um, I, I don't, I can't ever think of a time that it interfered, that it got really awkward. Um, I would think they think you're an expert or something. That you have insight that other people don't. Like, you know how it works. I do. Like, you really know. And you've seen a lot of them. So you're like, here's another one. I know exactly where everything is. You know, it goes It goes just like talking about anyone else's job. Yeah. You know, like, the... Just thinking about this is sort of weird to me, but I, I would say, like, the conversation about the executive assistant at the magazine's job, that conversation would be pretty equivalent in length to the conversation about my job. Um, And I I don't know that I have a reason for that, you know? That's actually a really interesting question. For some reason, I've never really thought about it. Um, you know, I think it's sort of when you ask a twin, like, what's it like to be a twin? Like, they have no other frame of reference to know, right? I have no other frame of re- reference than being an anorectal PA. But I don't... With other... With, with non-gay men, I'll often say that I work in surgery and just leave it at that. Um, I might dive into colorectal surgery, depending on the audience. Um... With other gay men, I'm like I'm very like upfront and honest about what I do, and they're usually interested. But it doesn't usually become like a conversation about their own health or like let me ask you all these questions I've never been able to ask anyone. Uh, the time that that does happen, which is scary to me, is when I have like a fifty-year-old gay male patient, and they just feel like they've never learned how to have sex before. And, and and they'll and they'll often reference porn as like a frame of reference, and and they may acknowledge that that's not a good frame of reference, but that's all they have, right? And so I've had so many just fundamental conversations about anal sex with people who've been doing it for thirty, forty years, and and teaching them, you know, how to prepare for it, and you know, why it feels good and what their risks are and, and all kinds of stuff. Because what do they say that sets, that sets you off? Like, you don't know this? <laughs> I mean, it, it's like, it's, it's so... It's, I don't know if sad's the right word, but I, I feel bad. Because they don't know how it works or why or what the... Yeah. Or like, what the risks are and all this other stuff. Right. As older people... Yeah. It's funny, I think of sex ed as sort of a given thing, and of course it was like bare bones at the school that I went to in, in Maine, public school. But then I thought like with the internet and with everything, like you can find stuff out, and obviously porn is there for one thing. It's not really the best educational tool. But there is like like articles on articles about everything else. And it's funny to me that people are still like iffy about knowing how stuff works yeah i wonder because I, I i tend to not get fundamental questions from patients in like their 20s and early 30s it tends to be this 
probably 45 plus age range. Huh. I wonder if it is sort of an element of trust. Like they don't, they don't necessarily trust the internet as no one should. Don't trust anything. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and they trust me as a, as a healthcare professional. Um, right. But yeah, it's, 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 it's very much like a certain age group of people. Um, and, and I, you know, I think as like 20 and 30 year old gay men, like we go to brunch brunch and we talk about anal sex, like it's an absolutely normal conversation to have while you're eating a a breakfast burrito. Like (laughs) this is like, there's nothing scary about this. Right. I'm going to talk about like this thing that went totally wrong. Right. Or this thing that went so right that you couldn't believe. (laughs) And then someone else is like eating wherever's rancheros being like, oh, that happened to me too. (laughs) (laughs) My last question. Yeah. Do you, what do you feel like your profession has changed your, do you think it's enriched or cheapened in some way your perception of the human body? Do you feel like you appreciate the human body more or feel a little bit disenchanted with it given the manner in which you interact with it every day? That's a great question. Um, It's definitely demystified it, um, which I think is a really great thing uh, in terms of of understanding the sex that I'm having. It's like sort of nice to know like why something feels the way it does or why, you know, how to personally prepare. And and it's nice to understand all of that. Um, I want to say that it's enriched it. I've, I've recently sort of started to have this, this consideration that I kind of want to explore more, um, where it's very obvious that the penis and the vagina were meant to match up, right? There's so many elements of the anus and a penis that just match up to me as well, that I if you took a religious perspective on it, like we were maybe created to actually enjoy anal sex. And if you took reach, (laughs) (laughs) and if you took an evolutionary perspective on it, maybe we've evolved to have anal sex or maybe we evolved having had anal sex in the past and still have, um, the organs for it. I, I think it's a, probably a bigger question than I'm qualified to, to even explore. But I think it's really fascinating just how much there is about a penis and an anus together that makes sense. I, I cannot think of a better note to end on. 